let's get scratching. We got an explosive broadcast coming to you. Listen up. Sega games, just keep playing them. Sega! We're back. It's the Sega Bit Swing Report Show. Live. Get ready for Sega interviews and news. Hello and welcome to the Sagabit Swing Report Show Live. I am Barry, and uh, joining me on this very special episode, we have uh, two people who have been with Sagabits in the Swing and Report Show podcast since, damn, the very, very beginning. So without further ado, we have George and Aki. Here they are, and, and the crowd goes wild. Whoa, thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I, I always point out there's like very loud women in that audience, and that's how you know right. that's not real. Because <laughs> right, if you right, look right. at who watches and reads our site, it's like I think uh, what were the numbers 99% like? Ninety nine percent women. Yeah, right. Ninety nine percent. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so man, yeah. So this is I think the first time all three of us have been on a Swing and Report Show podcast since. Oof, I want to say. Like five years ago, maybe. <laughs> you know, wow. it's been a real long time. Um, it's actually been so long. So this show started the same month that Segabits was founded. Like I think almost a week later. Uh, George, you were obviously there. You were doing these with Ryan and I think Aki. I think you guys were the three doing a lot of the early so. ones. Yeah, and. Um, and then I joined, I think, by the fifth episode, and then I was on pretty regularly. And we'll talk a little bit more about the origins of the Swing Report show. But first off, um, you know, let's let's go back to an old feature on this show uh, years ago. So what have we been up to and what we've been playing? And uh, I'm going to ask George to kick that off. Um, personally, just uh, moving to Florida, I think me and Barry talked about this personally uh, in our personal chats. Um, trying to find housing there. Um, that's been horrible. And uh, I've been playing, actually, uh, obviously the new Yakuza game. But besides that, I've actually been playing um, Soul Hackers 2. Uh, I, so I think last time we did a podcast, uh, a reader said that they really enjoyed it when we did our uh, yearly update episode. And I said I was going to play it, so I have actually played it. I'm almost towards the end of it. And uh, I actually kind of enjoy it, but it's definitely like a C-tier Atlas game. It's fun, but it's like just whatever. Kind of reminds me of Seven's Dragon a little bit, the art style and the neon graphics and stuff. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. Very cool. And then we have Aki out in the UK. It is two in the morning for him. So he's he like looks stoic, but he's just tired as hell. But this is so great that... You could join us, and it's not like three o'clock in the afternoon for us to like accommodate you. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, it's two in the morning. Um, yeah, so. I've, I've had plenty of coffee, bit of enough pep to keep me going. Hopefully, as long as we don't run for like two hours, we're not going to run for two hours, right? No, no, we're not one no. of those podcasts. We're not. This isn't the Joe Rogan experience, so don't worry. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I've just been. It's basically just work, work for me. Um, I'm still an accountant. Last time I was on the show, I'm pretty sure I still had hair. 
Now I don't have any hair. Mm. And uh, all I've been playing recently, mostly indie games. Um, other than Apex, I've been playing uh, this zombie survival game called Zomboid. Ah. So, sort of a top-down one. A lot heavy resource management, quite fun. And the other one is Deal Assault, which, if you've seen the trailers for it, kind of reminds of a cross between Bionic Commando and Contra. Got really mm. pixel art graphics in that. Um, and it's quite hardcore as well. Nice. Cool. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of those. I have to check them out. Uh, so what I've been playing is... <laughs> I've been, I, I feel so lame because on our on my personal Twitter and on the Segabits one, I'm like talking like a ton about the, the Neo Geo Pocket Color, which is oh. like, this thing's like 20 years old, and I sound like some right. guy who just discovered the Game Boy, and I'm like, hey guys, do you hear about this? This is so cool. <laughs> but like... <laughs> yeah, it is cool. It is cool, though, and I think the reason why I always wanted one of these was that, to me, Neo Geo Pocket Color was like... I mean, you know, like when there's like a social cause, and there are people who are directly impacted, and then there's the people who are the allies... And it's like they're not right. being impacted, but they're there for the fight. For me, right. Neo Geo Pocket Color was always like an ally to the Dreamcast. Like, obviously, Sega didn't have anything to do with this outside of two games being on it. But just the fact that it was like basically the portable for the Dreamcast. Like, you'd plug it in. Right. It worked with a handful of games. Um, official Dreamcast magazine would review Neo Geo Pocket Color games, which was so wild to me. Um and then just, I don't know, I just really wanted to get one. And I, do you ever have that realization, like with retro gaming, where you're like, this price looks good. And then you're like, I need to get this now. Because I feel like right. <laughs> in a year, this thing is going to be like, um, I don't know. Yeah, unattainable. So this one, I actually got this for um, 140 which is not bad because it's brand new. Like out okay. of box. It came with the what? box. Like there's no scratches on the screen at all. Like... Nice. And then I got the uh, basically the EverDrive equivalent. It's called the Neo Pocket Game Drive there. And that came out during the pandemic, and I totally missed that it even was a thing. And so I was like, well, this, this solves all my problems. Like, I, don't, I can drop a little bit more on the hardware and not spend a dime on the games. So, right. And the yeah, games are and expensive. They're so expensive. In fact, if right. you check out... Um, Racket Boy, you know, they have those collecting guides, and right. they they were like, oh, the Neo Geo Pocket Color can be had for 60 bucks, and um, right. and you can get a, a bundle of games for 80 Like, you could get six games for 80 bucks. I'm like, no. You can get, like, Sega SNK Gals Fighters for, like, 150 You know, it's just uh, like... Yeah. Yeah, and, and someone's saying... If you want them complete, forget about yeah. it. Someone's saying don't drop it, but obviously, you know, like, I'm not going to drop... Oh, no, I dropped oh. it. No, I didn't. I threw oh. something on the floor. It was a little magic <laughs> trick. Little Have little live, live the, fun. Have uh, the Neo Geo Pocket? Variants? Well, there's color variants, and there's actually a slim version, too. But this thing right. is Have so small it? that all the, like, hardcore fans are like, don't get the slim, because it's too small. You know, it's almost like the Game Boy mm. Micro, where you're just like... right. Oh, this is fun. Um, so, yeah, I've been playing a lot of games on that. I've really been enjoying the fighters. There's, like, a King of Fighters. Uh, or what is it? Capcom. Oh, it's, uh, I think it's Capcom versus SNK 
on there, yeah. and it's just fantastic. Like there's story modes and cutscenes. Um, it goes above and beyond what I expected for a portable. Uh, I've I really also, like the mm-hmm. uh, chibi, the little chibi graphics. Yeah, the characters. I really like it. It's so cool because basically they've defaulted to the chibi style throughout every single game. I mean, I guess because SNK is making every game for it. So they had this great like internal basically decision that every single game will have this art style. And it works so well because when they do the crossover games, they just kind of rip the pixel graphics from one, drop it in the other, and everything works. You've got, I think there's some, maybe I'm wrong if there's Marvel, but I know there's some SNK, Capcom... Last Blade, uh, there's that whole Gals Fighters, there's a card battling game. It's just, it's such like, it's a small enough library that you can get really into it but not feel overwhelmed. Um, yeah. Like, I think there's 80 games on it and maybe 60 of them are like totally playable for English speakers and there's fan translations. So, yeah, just like if you've been uh, pocket curious, like run out and get one now because the price is right. Um, I also have, since I'm doing show and tell, I showed these on our, our Twitter account. These are, I think the stupidest things, they're rental cases with red Sega logos. Oh, and, how much did that cost you? Uh, these were, I think, $8 each. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. And I, I put my loose games, so it's Risk and James Pond, which <laughs> is probably Aki's Super favorite game because it's British, right? <laughs> right. Is it James Pond? No, yeah. Pond. James Pond. Um, but that's one of those ugly EA cartridges, so that's that's the fun I have going on over here. Um, and now we've got some viewer mailbag, and I, I think George would definitely have the answer for this. So in our Segabits Discord, uh, which you can check out, go to segabits.com, click the little Discord link. It's basically the message boards of the new millennium, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, like the new millennium. The new, new, new millennium. Um, Upcoming. Yeah, the upcoming one. And uh, it's a cool group of people. We have a lot of uh, message board people in the chat right now. But uh, Roby said, what inspired y'all to come together and form a Sega-themed news site? And I think George could probably speak to that one. Uh, why not? I mean, uh, honestly, like, um, at the time I was already doing kind of Sega news sites, and I always thought that... You know, Sega didn't really get the love in blogs, like news news blogs at the time, especially when they were big. And um, Nintendo stuff, they had stuff, and all these other console manufacturers had their own. So I thought, why not do my own Sega blog and see how it goes? And uh, other, and then I bothered other people like Ryan and Aki to do uh, stuff, and and then Barry, and uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's the whole that's, story. Wow, yeah, boy. pretty much. And we, so Segabit started February 2010. There have been sites that existed before that who covered like general mm-hmm. Sega stuff, but a lot of them uh, kind of closed their doors, I'd say 20, 2020, 2019. Like a lot of them, Sega um, Addicts, TSSC, um, trying to think who else is out there. Sega Nerds came and went, right. and then. We don't. We don't. And, yeah. We don't talk about Bruno. That's what we say when we talk about Sega nerds. Uh, um, <laughs> I was gonna. Say, You're all smiling, Barry. You love it. <laughs> we don't talk about. And then I'm like, but. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. But it just like it hit me this past month where it's like, 
like we're still around 13 years later. The only other site that's been around longer has been um, uh, Sega Driven, which is run. It's like a one man blog from. Um, uh, well, he goes by I think Kronkblatt right now on Twitter, but basically Sonic oh. Yoda. Um, right. Yeah, and our but- former our former writer Tracker writes for that blog now. So it's kind of like the British Sega fan site, like the only one, right? Yeah. Right. Because the biggest thing is, uh, going back to the previous question, was when I joined Sega Nerds, back then, most almost everything with Sega was mainly through the prism of the Sonic series. So no one really spoke much about Yakuza or any of their newer titles like Valkyrie Chronicles. Um, so it was like, it's 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 nice to see that we're still around. Uh, it is kind of sad in a way, but we've kept going with all just Sega's third-party stuff. I think a lot of Sega sites kind of even closed off themselves on anything post-Dreamcast or the original Xbox. Now, you said it's kind of sad. Do you mean it's kind of sad that we're still doing this, or do you mean it's kind of sad that some sites, like, closed? Obviously, I don't mean it's sad that we're doing it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, but I think what's important is, and I think what a lot of those sites didn't do was they didn't change to accommodate their own personal lives, like change the the content, change the output, change what you're doing. Either keep it interesting or make it so that you can keep it going. I, I see so many people. They were just hardcore news posting, and then they're like, this this burned me out. I can't do this anymore. I'm closing the site down. The secret is you you miss big news stories. You post them a week late, and no one notices because <laughs> that's what I've found at least. Um, and then when it comes to, like, podcasts, like, I, I know there's some who are, like, cranking out daily content, weekly content. Honestly, put it out there when you can, and I think that's what's really been working for um, this show and for Sega Talk, which... Uh, believe it or not, actually, I think with this episode, we will be on par with how many Sega Talk episodes there are. There are about 115 Swing and Report shows, and there are 115 uh, Sega Talks as of, I think, next week. So it's just kind of wild that over 13 years, this show has done what Sega Talk did in, I think, three or four years. And... I don't know, the, the content on this show changed a lot. Um, right. We initially did news and roundtable discussions weekly when we like all had time to do that. And then it shifted to interviews. We had some insanely big name interviews. And I think just from there, and maybe, George, maybe you agree with this, but like it kind of felt hard to go back after you get like Tom Kalinske on or the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog and then next right. week be like, Hey guys, anyway. so yeah, you're like anyway. That was fun last week, but this week we're going to be talking about a uh, version 3.0 update for Sonic Colors. Uh, it looks like they fixed the save file system. You know, it's just like I don't know. I do. I, I did enjoy doing the interviews with like the indie developer stuff. Like I think Elysian Shadows, for example, is really funny. Now that we go and, re- and go back to it, that kind of stuff is stuff that like needs to be put on record when they do these over-promising, you know, uh, things, these kind of promises that they give their fans. Um, I, I think that's important. I, I really enjoy doing that. I just wish it was like I had more time in, in the world to do it because, like, it's hard to, like, 
not only get me and you to get on, but then also get another person to interview the, the, to come on. And you remember when we did interviews, how many times they had us, people canceled on us? Oh, yeah. And that'll really take it out of you. You'll get people, you're, you, you put the time aside, the other person does. You're like, you cancel plans, and then you sit down, and they're like, hey, man, I can't make it this week. And you're like, I'm done doing interviews. <laughs> you know, I'm not right. doing these anymore. Um, there's also been issues where, uh, like, time zones. Like, they're like, at, at like I, th- I remember one time, this guy, I was in the middle of my day, and he's like, I'm ready. And I'm like, yeah, we're recording tonight. And he goes, yeah, it's night for me. And I'm like, where do you live? And he's like, oh, the Middle East or something like that. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> Sorry, miscommunication. Oh. And so right. it just, it fell through. But, um, I mean, but it, it's a learning process. And so, you know, we could have quit doing the show, but we didn't. We kept going. And I, I think after a little bit of a hiatus, but not a big enough hiatus to disqualify us from being a um, yearly podcast, at least. I think 2020, we did one <laughs> yay, show. Yay. Yay. An annual show. Um but now, I don't know, I really like doing these live ones because it fits with my schedule so that we can at least have something going out there. Um, and then, you know, doing special shows like this. So if people like this format, let us know because I'd love to do more of these, especially when uh, games release, when big news hits. Like, even if this is not a monthly thing, like if two or three months down the line and it's Sonic's anniversary and there's Sonic Origins, Mania Plus, whatever they're calling it, coming out right. i'd love to have you guys jump back on and like and talk about that stuff and maybe talk about sega news so we can do recaps but um yeah so that's i mean pretty much the origin of sega bits the long winding road of the swing and report show uh, for me some of the funniest moments have been um like when we've had people come on and then i say the name of the show and i realize they don't get the space channel 5 reference like Tom Kalinsky's oh, yeah. on, and I'm like, welcome to the Swing and Report show. And I'm like, he probably doesn't know what that reference is, so it makes us sound like dorks or like swingers or something. I don't oh, know. Oh, right. <laughs> but who knows? I mean, You're they're like, making a, a Space Channel 5 movie, so maybe maybe we were smart to pick this they? title. Yeah, they are. Hmm. Yeah. All right, it's, who's gonna play uh, sp- uh, Lady Gaga? I mean, Lady Gaga's gonna play Ulala. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it'll be Lady Miss Cure, right from uh, Delight. Oh, um, I'm sure. <laughs> so, but let's let's dive into the news now. So, the big news this week is that Like a Dragon, Ishan, 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 um, it landed. Uh, we're going to take a look at the launch trailer, but first wait, I got to ask wait, you guys. Wait, wait, wait. No, before you say, can you say the name of the game again? But with an exclamation mark in the end, please. It has it All on right. the title. I got to turn my microphone down a little bit. So it's like a dragon. Ishan. Exactly like Did that. that work? You got it. And now let me do the react, the YouTuber react <laughs> one for you. Let me get that. So it's like a dragon. Ishan. <laughs> there we go. I, knew, I, like I wanted to make George call. Uh, oh, I know. So, <laughs> but what what I find so bizarre about this is we basically changed the Yakuza series into the Like a Dragon series, and I have not made the transition yet. Have you? I don't call it I still Like call a Dragon. Yakuza. Yeah. No, I'm still calling it Yakuza. Actually, it's it's. Like, yeah. It's like a game under the Yakuza brand to me, but it's just called Like a Dragon Ishin. But 
I don't think I'm ever going to go, oh man, I love the Like a Dragon franchise. Don't you? You know? It doesn't, it doesn't come up, roll off the tongue. That's the problem. It's grammatically incorrect as well. So it's like, I love the Like a Dragon franchise. It doesn't sound right when you say it. But when you say, I love the Yakuza franchise, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, well, over here in America, we had a show called Mad TV, and there was a character named Miss Swan, and she had a sketch where she'd say, like, he looked like a man. You remember that, George? So that's that? Right, I do remember that. She'd go, they'd be like, what, what is the name of the man? You know, what, what is his, what did he look like? She goes, well, he look, he look like a man. And so that's what I think whenever I hear like a dragon. It's like, what did that tall Japanese man look like? Oh, he looked like a, a dragon. But anyway, (laughs) deep, deep cut for the uh, millennials out there. Um, But let's take a look at the Yakuza, like a dragon, Ishin trailer. Ishin! And uh, react to it. You guys will hear it. I'll be seeing it. But this is the launch trailer that just released this week. Oh, okay. Also, what do you think that they released it in Japanese only? Again? I, I think it's fitting because this is a game, like a period game, so it would be kind of odd to have them speaking English. I agree, 100%. But the game itself, like how, how much of a graphical jump is this from the previous version? Uh, uh, Texture-wise, it's pretty be- much better I, than from what I've seen. But it's, it's kind of hard to go from Lost Judgment to this game because Lost Judgment was like just so smooth. <laughs> so it seems like a, a step down, would you say? Well, I mean, they literally. This is the what I, I think Ishin is the first PS4 game, so it's still kind of the clunky engine from like four ish three ish in between that so yeah it's a little clunky compared to the new ones but it was still uh based on the binary domain engine i think right so like that was yakuza 5 zero and kishin and one also it's on the unreal engine which i thought was kind of weird right when i booted it They've been making that transition, though, haven't they? Like, what was... Um, didn't they use that for Frontiers? Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, they used that for... Atlas used that on... Shin Megami 5, and I think Soul Hackers 2. And I think... Soul Hackers 2 is actually Unity, actually. Because I, I, I oh. I've been playing it. Oh, all right. Then, I was, then, then Super Monkey Ball was either Unity or Unreal, but now I feel like saying it's probably on Unity. Just right. easier. There's a few they do on Unity. Yeah. So, so this game, this was like you mentioned, this was the f- one of the first Yakuza games to release to the PS4. But am I wrong about that, Aki? I think it was. Yeah, no, it was the first for the PS4 because the PS4 released in February uh, in Japan. It released like six months later, five months later. But it still came out on the PlayStation Three. Um, right. They didn't. Drop from the PS4, uh, didn't make a PS4 exclusive until the Yakuza 6. Hmm. I was 
Michael Dragon Six. I don't real good Gothic Six. I don't know what to call it anymore. What's the franchise? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then and then uh, Kenzen is a game taking place in a completely different era. There's no narrative ties to this one, and that released before this in 2008 to Japan only on PS3. Correct. Yeah, that's right. So. They're moving backwards. Do you think this was a re- the reason they picked this one was because the PS4 is just easier to port? Probably it's more modern. Like, Kinzen is pretty uh, back. Like, it's all way back in 2008. It's even more clunkier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I mean, right. that they've been playing catch-up. Yeah. I think one of the other reasons is because... Inshin was made in a sort of like a who's who Yakuza. Like the whole franchise is all the characters mm. returning their historical figures. While Kenzine's only got like four or five returning Yakuza characters and the rest are all original. They probably had that, well, we can throw in some of the Yakuza Zero boys because we know everyone loves them. And that's why we got Kuze back. Hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so... I mean, do you guys foresee like them re-releasing Kenzen and uh, of the end, which I think is Dead Souls in the West? Right. Like, do, I, do I, you foresee... I personally do. Yeah. I mean, are those good I... games? Are are either? I know of the end, Dead Souls gets a lot of flack from fans. Is it any good? I think it's the best way to describe Dead Souls, and it depends <laughs> if you like that franchise. Is it's Dynasty Warriors but with guns? Right. Okay. And I think it takes away from the core aspect of the Yakuza games at the time, which was beating people up, basically. And now you're like playing this weird, like a Japanese studio rethinking the idea of a third person shooter, but like in their own way. It's like the controls are super weird. Or am I crazy on that one, Aki? No, no. I, if you, as a, from a like a traditional third person shooter, it did not feel anything like that. You just have to play Dead Souls and then Binary Domain to realize how right. different it was. Um, yeah, I mean, if you did remake Dead Souls, it'd probably be a lot more work than Kenzine or Inshin has been, because it's like I don't think most even new fans are going to want to jump into how Dead Souls are. But as an old school fan, you might have been like, oh, well, I'd love to see Kazuma fight a zombie because why not? Right. Right. So, I mean, they pretty much released every game over here now, aside from the two we mentioned, um, as well as the PSP games. Uh, I think there were two of them, and that was a completely different protagonist. Um, what, right. what can you tell me about that one? Do you Do you guys foresee... Any future for those coming over? Do you think those will just be like no. the Valkyria Chronicles, forever locked on the on the platform? I, I I mean personally, I think they're so simplistic, and they were of an era of the PSP that I think they'll probably stay. But didn't they, didn't like um, uh, Square just uh, re-release a PSP game, a Final Fantasy VII PSP game? I think Crisis Core. They oh. like remade it on their like brand new engine. Like, they would have to literally remake the game on the Dragon Engine or something, too. And, like, maybe put all the content of both games into one to make it appealing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I, well, one thing we know that Sega was saying is they either want to remaster game or remake games. So, Ancient falls on the remaking. Same with Super Monkey Ball. And then you have their... Um, 
some of the Persona games are just getting remasters rather than remake. So mm. I agree with George. If they're going to bring the PSP games, I think they're called Black Panther or something. Uh, yeah, that's it. If they bring them, they'll probably have to remake them just like Dead Souls. Kenzine is probably the one that has the least amount of work they need to put into. Yeah, I'm um, looking. I'm looking at it. it's. Um, it was originally called Project K. Uh, Black Panther, right. Like a Dragon, New Chapter. Now, we have seen what the future of the franchise is going to be. It's going to be a side story, almost like a budget title, which is something I guess we've kind of seen from the series. The um, remasters or remakes of 1 and 2 were... I mean, they weren't high-end, but they definitely were kind of, I think, sold at a, a lower price. I, I don't recall. Um, right. And Fist of the North Star is also like a B-studio. Like one yeah. Of the yeah. Yeah, so I, I could see like them kind of filling the gap with either these smaller side story games. Like I'd actually love to see other characters covered. Um, I know Goro Mojima has his fan base, so to give him his own game, maybe they could like call it like, I don't know, like Mojima Chaotix and put it on the 32X or something. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. Right? Yeah, exactly. But um, because they have the assets, they have like the the missing story chunks in other games, so you can still right. experience the narrative. Like, uh, what what is the name of the game? It's called like it's the worst title ever for a video game. No offense to the Yakuza Like a Dragon fans out there, but what is it called? It's called like the Like man a that Dragon. Was lost the man who lost his name or something along those lines. Right. Like what? It, they they really went all in on like translating the weird Japanese titles. Like look at the like original Japanese title of like Yakuza Four. It was like Yakuza Four: The Fall of Legendary Stars or something like that. It's, like, what? it's called okay. Like a Dragon Seven Side Story: The Man Who Erased His Name, aka Like a Dragon Gaiden: The Man Who Erased His Name. And I mean. <laughs> The man who erased his name sounds like a Clint Eastwood kind of western. It's kind of cool there, but it, like you were saying, it's, it's like a it's a, well, you I know, like it. the man with no name, you know, like it, right? But it sounds like a poor translation. So when you say like the man who erased his name, it sounds like a guy who like literally erased his name. I don't know. I, I'm, I, I get it, but it just it it sounds kind of clunky, like a Dragon Gaiden. I think they should have just stuck with that, but maybe they're turning it into a franchise. Um, and beyond that, we have Like a Dragon 8, which is going back to the numbering, which is so funny that they dropped the numbering for 7 in America. They called it... What was it? Uh, Yakuza just, Like a Dragon, right? Right, like- right. And it should have been... This one should have been Yakuza Like a Dragon 2, right? Because yeah. like, Yakuza I, Like a Dragon was actually a popular game. Like right. people talk about Ichiban, it was a good reboot right. of the franchise again. Right. So it's weird. And now it's back to eight, and it's right. and they're bringing um, uh, Kazuma back, which is surprising because he left. Like he had, he didn't. I mean, spoiler alert, but he's not dead, obviously, because they're bringing him right. back. But he he had a nice. He was in seven. Yeah. Right, and yeah. and. He was in seven as like a little cameo, and then he's gonna be in this side story, and then he's gonna be in eight, and he is in this. So I don't. Do you, I know? Um, you know, Aki, you're a big fan of the series. How did you react when they switched out the protagonist, and what are your thoughts on them not sticking with it? 
I, to be honest, I was I wanted I wanted Ichiban to be his own character, no influence, no Kazuma, no uh, Kiryu, and I stick by that because Kiryu had like nine, ten games, including spin-offs. It's it's kind right. of a time that another character should step in and show. And honestly, if they were ever gonna bring Kiryu back, I would have preferred it if it was like a big crossover game, like you include the. Yakuza series with the Judgment series, and you bring back Kazuma Kiryu in like one huge game, like an anniversary, but like a Sonic Generations thing. Right. Yeah, you make a good I point agree. there because with Generations, I think people forget that Classic Sonic was well and truly like not around. We did not have Classic Sonic games. I mean, Sonic 4 very intentionally pushed the modern style. Um, it really was just in, and you see all the all the crap behind me, it was in the collecting where Classic Sonic really shined. I mean, um, I have a whole shelf right here, I'm pointing at it, and that's all modern classic stuff. And so they've been really pumping it out, but when it came to games, like we did not have anything until Generations hit. And I think that gap was probably from 1998 to... What was Generations? That was... Like 11, 2011 or 10? 98 to 2011. So that's a good 13-year gap where, where Classic Sonic was really not utilized at all in the games. It was it was, a diff- it was a redesigned character and they just were not bringing him back. And then now we have, um, uh, uh, with Yakuza, or Like a Dragon... We had uh, Kazuma, and he was—he had a great send-off. I remember how big in uh, Yakuza Six was. Uh, they really were pushing like this is the end of his story, and I—I I think it was like a one-year gap until we saw he was coming back anyway. And I mean, do you think narratively, like, it hurts Six at all that he's back in such full force now with the franchise? Uh, I'll let Aki yeah. answer that. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because Six had a perfect ending. It's like, you didn't need to expand on it. And it does hurt a little bit. Because you're like, oh, well, it's got a bittersweet ending. He's sort of left his family behind just so he can protect them. Uh, now, all of a sudden, he's just been thrown back into the game. Doesn't have, doesn't let Six finish itself as its own game, as its own story. It feels like you have to now go on to number eight to see how Cosmos' story continues. Right. I agree. Yeah. Um, and I think it also makes me a little scared about Yagami and the Judgment franchise. There's been a lot of rumors that uh, the management company of the main actor is hard to work with. I'm a little afraid that we're going to get a close, like, just randomly be like, Kazuma's now the second game and Judgment, that's the action game and Judgment's gone. That would be uh, kind of upsetting because I did kind of like the characters. Uh, I really did like Lost Judgment. I thought the final, the finale for that game was really well done. So the combat was really smooth, so I, I would love to see this franchise have another entry. It kind of felt like a season of a show where the story starts and ends in one thing. You could just, you know. So I really enjoyed it. Always liked the endings for those games. So yeah, it would be nice. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a good end to our Ishin discussion. George, you're reviewing that, correct? I guess not because they gave it to me super late. I don't think yeah. it'd be time. It's already been out, so I'll probably do a preview of it. Maybe uh, we'll we'll talk about it next time we do a podcast or something. Give it a nice actual talk about the story or something. Yeah, like yeah, a live yeah. where we talk about the story. Yeah, right. I'm gonna beat it, but we'll see if I have time to <laughs> just post the it. score to the like 
the 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 site. Just post the picture, a little like B plus or whatever, and that's it. Right. Right. Um, so now we're going to be moving into a little news portion here. So, Aki, because we have you on and you are the numbers man, we actually call you Numbers. People don't know that. Right. That's his name. Um, so, it's Numbers, name. Uh, we <laughs> wanted to talk about uh, this news that actually is reported here on Eurogamer, not Segabits. And mm. um, Sega has committed to a 30% pay raise for existing staff to, quote, strengthen its global competitiveness. And um, they made a statement. This isn't something that leaked out. This is actually Sega making a statement about... um, Boy, they're playing so many flipping trailers on this website. Um, Right, I love those websites with all the trailers and ads. You should get an ad blocker. I know. Well, Um, if you had popcorn on uh, your game, I'd just say, please take it off. We need you to, like, watch our ads. I know, right? And then they're starting to play trailers for f- the Flame in the Flood launch trailer, which I'm not here to to watch or promote. Um, well, you but it promote says it, here, I'm going to watch it after the podcast. <laughs> by revisiting the compensation system, Sega believes it will further stabilize employee income and create a more co- uh, comfortable working environment, as well as further strengthen its global competitiveness. So, uh, Aki, Ooh. what do you know of? Um, Game industry salaries, uh, if at all, and do you think this is a good sign for Sega? Does it seem like they're they're splashed with cash? Like, what what's the deal here? There's a couple of things. It's actually slightly more complicated. Uh, it's not just Sega acting on their own. Uh, like, oh well, it's time for us to rise everyone's pay. Um, the Nintendo's also. Um, given a pay rise. I'm not sure how much. And a lot of it's got to do with the Japanese prime minister himself saying to like various companies, it's time for you guys to increase everyone's wages because inflation's hurting us and uh, there's nothing we can do about it. So Sega's kind of going on with how the political arm of Japan is pushing all these companies to increase wages. Um, when it comes to salaries in Japan, Video game developers are actually really poorly paid compared to, you know, the United States or United Kingdom, France, Canada. Um, I think right now when I read it, they were saying it was something like two hundred twenty thousand yen, uh, two hundred twenty thousand yen or something in their report. Uh, I did a quick calculation. That's about twenty or twenty-two thousand dollars a year. They're saying they're going to be wow. giving graduates, and it's it's actually straight. From all of Japan, their creative industries generally historically pay everyone poor wages. Mm. Um, you know, but it is true that Sega themselves should be rising uh, their pay for their employees because you know you've seen a few of their I don't want to say a lot of them, but a couple of their key developers or a couple of their uh, smaller junior promising employees have moved to companies like Nintendo and Capcom. Um, when it comes to their capabilities, they probably could raise even more. I think Sega's even raised their uh, profits because games like Sonic Frontiers and Persona 5 Royale have been doing so well. Um, so I think long term, it's going to help Sega because Sonic Frontiers just came out. It's got a really good group of developers behind it. The user series has got a lot of great developers behind it, which they've also lost to... Um, I can't Nettie's. remember what... Yes, that's right. NetEase to uh, they lost Negoshi and a couple of other 
key developers. Um, so I, I'm hoping that this stems any further loss of talents because they've got a good thing going right now. And that's the word yeah, so I, from numbers. So I was uh, looking at the t- like uh, a story came out today that Toyota did a pay raise too. Right. Um, who? Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. Toyota. Sorry. I, I muted myself on accident. I guess I hit the keyboard. He was swearing. Uh, I was swearing. <laughs> um, so Toyota said that they had a historic 20 year uh, uh, high uh, pay raise. And it was like, they said in the, in the last 20 years, and it was only 5%. I was actually shocked that it was so low. I was like, I expected 30, like Sega or something. But I'm assuming they get paid more making cars than developers do, sadly. But doesn't this also mean that it's a 30% raise in video game budget, basically, for every game across the board? Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. It is actually an increase of 30% if they do it to a lot of their, uh, especially graduates. Um Sega generally tends to use a lot of new graduates as uh, the workforce. You know, they've kept a lot of developers like I- Izuka and Nakamura, and uh, I'm trying to think of some more. But as you know, there's a lot of long-term Sega employees from the '90s that are still at the company. But if you go further down the food chain, you see that they've got a lot of newbies who joined the company. Um, Japan does have this problem. They should be trying to deal with it. And I think you kind of see it with people who've left Japan and go, come to America. Like, um, what was the Sonic Team uh, director that left and joined Naughty Dog? Uh, what his name for a second. Oh, uh, I forgot his name too. I know who you're talking about. I totally blank on his name. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's, he said, well, you know, it's better working in America than in Japan. And I think a lot of key developers... They're now starting to think about it. Like, you, know, you can move to America. Even Izuka, I think, has moved to America, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so, right? They had the San Francisco team. That's right, yeah. Eric. So I think mm-hmm. yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot better work benefits for employees to leave Japan and come to the United States. And Sega and Nintendo and Capcom and all of them have to react to it and like, give your employees better work benefits. And Capcom's yeah. doing really well right now. It's insane how well they're doing. Oh, Capcom like Street Fighter Six looks brilliant. They've they've actually put themselves back on track, and I think Sega I agree. will do so as well. I mean, it's, they've had they're a bit behind Capcom, but looking at their recent releases and how they've tried to put more quality assurance on their products. Um, it's not just even from stuff like Sonic, but even Yakuza. I remember back in the uh, when the franchise was still young, it was still getting mid 70, 70s in Metacritic. Um, I think me and George were even talking about like why is Yakuza Four getting like seventy four or seventy five percent on Metacritic, and nowadays it's like right. the high eighties. Right, easy. I, I was going to say uh, Capcom does have an advantage that they have a lot of like multiplayer games that are really popular, like Street Fighter Six, uh, Monster Hunter franchise. I wish Sega would have a team focus on something like that, like a co-op game or a some sort of online game. They had the yeah, kart they, racing games, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously they've got Fantasy Star Online too, but New Genesis, it feels like they dropped the ball a little. Like, it feels like it was released six months too early. Like, the roadmap wasn't prepared properly. They might have panicked because of COVID 
and obviously Sonic Frontiers I think was originally meant to come out in 2021 was it or was it 2022 I can't remember but I, even yeah I think they did delay it but it was some yeah. um, I think Sega smartly have been doing this thing now where instead of announcing delays they just will delay something they, they won't give a release date essentially and so fans will freak out and go, oh, when's the release date coming? And then when the release date hits, it's like the game was never delayed because we never knew when it was going to release. Um, and I, I think that's something they have been knew they've been doing because if you recall, uh, between, I think Sonic Mania was delayed, um, Sonic Boom Fire and Ice was delayed, and Sonic Forces, I don't know if that was ever delayed, but I do remember press releases for Boom and mania and i think they just realized that's kind of embarrassing and so with frontiers it was delayed but it wasn't you know what i mean like you can't it's like that thinking man meme like can't delay it if you didn't announce a release date Uh, (laughs) so that's that's what they've been doing there um something i thought was interesting with the story is they say it's for existing staff and i don't recall any mass layoffs at sega but there were a few people who were laid off um, uh, earlier this month, in fact. And one of them was actually working as a social media manager or director for a uh, upcoming mobile game like a, a, that was canceled. It was like a free, free-to-play mobile game. Um, I, I don't want to like mention the person's name because they were laid off, and that sucks. So, you know, you don't need a bunch of losers right. like us talking about, oh, you were laid off. Um, yeah, exactly. But still, like it, it's it's interesting that behind the scenes they're clearly cutting some projects and cutting some team members uh people who are like uh you you were talking about people who are just out of school and then they were being hired this person very clearly is like pretty new in the industry they got this great dream job at sega they moved out to irvine california um and george i mean you're in california now like what what's out there like is it a place to move to it's great. Uh, everything's the sun's a little brighter. Uh, the cars are just a little bit faster. So yeah. we have bike lanes everywhere. It's beautiful. Uh, oh, parking great. spots galore. If you if you hate walking anywhere, come to California. You drive everywhere. Oh, that's great. No city is walkable. You'll love it. That's awesome. So yeah, it so sounds it like seems I'm being negative. But yeah, I'm it not. does, but you're not. But it just it does seem like they probably did do a little re- reorganization before they announced this pay raise. Because last thing you want to do is announce company raises oh, and then lay someone off a, a week I, I, later. I, yeah, things with Sega is that there's a lot of things that they were slow to react. Like for the longest time, I don't think even me and George kept talking about it constantly. They put so much of their resources in the arcades. Especially because it's Japan only. So there's so many developers who, instead of making them work for only the arcades, they could have moved them into the console uh, teams, which I think they're doing now, to be fair. But it's something that they should have been reacting on sooner rather than, you know, dragging their feet through the mud and thinking, now, now, we don't need to get ourselves out of the arcade industry, even though the only country that really was viable for them anymore was Japan. Yeah, and yeah. even then, even before they did the announcement that they were selling off all their uh, retail places before COVID, they had like big plans to do that fog uh, network oh, gaming. Fog gaming. 
and, and like uh, COVID happened and it went away and they kind of never talked about it. Fog gaming, it's it's fine and all, but then like when the fog rolls in and all the creatures start coming out <laughs> into the fog and you like exactly. hide in a grocery store and then you have to like kill your family, it's not good. <laughs> right, they didn't think of it. They no. That's what happened to the book, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what, the book? Fog Gaming's based on a book? Oh, man. Oh. Sega's innovative. <laughs> wow, I didn't know they made book, books, too. Um, hey, you know, you were talking about uh, arcade creators and creatives making the move to consoles, and I think that's the perfect transition to talking about Samba de Amigo Party Central. Um, so oh, no. it... it, it this kind of came out of nowhere. It leaked, actually, but we didn't news it because we typically don't news leaks when they're going to appear the same day. Um, we all know full well, especially George and I, Aaron Weber, you, those dreaded DMs from Aaron telling you to, hey, guys, saw you saw something today. It'd be really cool if you could not put that up on the website or delete the tweet or something, you know. Um, I You can't delete tweets, I tell them. Yeah. Tell, it reminds me you can. I, guess I can't. You can. I don't. I don't know where it, I don't know how any of this works, um, but yeah. So that that leaked out shortly before it was officially revealed on the Nintendo Direct, and little was known about this game beforehand. I don't think we had any leaks outside of the the day of, and when we saw the leaks, there was a lot of speculation. Like, is this a third party game? Um, you know, famously, I didn't believe it was real. I, I didn't. Like, this I, is... I thought it looked fake. Yeah, and right. What was really promising was that after it was revealed, uh, Shun Nakamura, who is the original director for Samurai Amigo and is still with Sega, um, he was like tweeting up a storm, talking about the team. So we don't know yet if he's producer, director, but he's definitely working on it. And I think that's exciting. His last director role was Rhythm Thief and The Emperor's Treasure, which uh, if you do not own that, jump on the 3DS eShop before it closes in March pick it up because it is a rare as hell game and it's a it's a fun game um it's a very rare like adventure rhythm game from sega that you really i guess space channel 5 and rhythm thief and i don't know what else uh but he's apparently making a comeback with party central and so i wanted to take a look at the trailer that appeared on the nintendo direct um this is the japanese version so I'm just going to turn the the volume down quite a bit just because we don't need to have a Japanese guy yelling at us. But um, Why don't you put the American one so I can hear the guy talk over the video, the American Nintendo guy? And I, today, the, we're going to see a... I hate that guy. That's why. Boy, he's so smooth, his voice. You don't like him? <laughs> Another fun shake em adventure with Amigo. You know, like, that's how he can does it. Can you imagine it. him narrating, like, a Stephen King book? The clown's going to pull your children into the sewers. <laughs> Have some fun with it. <laughs> you know. This summer. Murderous clowns? I'm intrigued. Ding, 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 ding. And then the trailer starts. Um, I, w- I was going to comment on that real quick. Isn't that a weird thing for Nintendo to do? Like, it spoils the reveal. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and here's well, a trailer. Gotta... And they do the snap. I mean... Have you seen Nintendo fans react to everything? They're always like shocked. They got to they got to they got to ease them in. They don't want them to get shocked and have a heart attack. Yeah, like that. Whoa! Did you guys see that? Yeah, right. No, Harvest I Moon, I think Harvest the Moon. worst video I saw from that reveal is the Nintendo store reaction. If oh, I was God. in that room, I would be clawing my way to the exit. It was the worst experience like 
I'm fine with crowds, but not crowds reacting that much to Samba de Amigo. I'm like, you guys are ruining this franchise for me. It's not that exciting. Um, but let's check out the trailer and we can chat over it. Oh, they ruined the game. Come on, what is this? Like, oh. where, where's, so, all the, uh, where's the original art style? Well, the art style, yes. Yeah, so I want to talk about that. He's got the Tintin hair. He's got the little coif. Um, and the earrings. The earrings? Oh, yeah. Are the earrings gone? No, he's got different ones now. Oh. Amigo's growing. Um, but what I find, I mean, outside of the art style change, there is a very, like, feel the magic kind of vibe with the background characters. Uh, there's also a rhythm thief kind of vibe with, like, the fedoras and stuff. Um... It also seems like there's a big focus on customizing avatars. So there's amigos around the world. Like he's not his own character anymore. He's like, he's like one of many monkeys, <laughs> which right. is interesting. Um, so you, you think we're gonna have a super monkey ball crossover here? It's possible. I don't know. I mean, I could see I I costumes. Yeah, like I.I. costumes in there. And I still have the trailer up, so I'm just kind of skimming through it here. But um, it has been pointed out that even though he does not have his sombrero, if you look in the background, it's there on some of the avatars. Uh, There's famous, there's like a Day of the Dead sort of one, or like a black leather, which is kind of cool. He also cross-dresses, or I, I should say maybe it's a female amigo. I'm not really sure. Um, so they're not Amiga. Um, well, it's not Amigo. It's Amigo. It's Amigo yeah. in a dress, and oh. um. So I mean, I'm not like <laughs> I'm not raging on that, but it's just interesting that they've really kind of stripped the character of being a character and turned him into this avatar. Um. So first off, like you you commented on. They changed his design. George, do you think this was a reaction to how poorly the Wii version sold and they just want to move as far away from that look as possible? Or do you feel like this is Shun Nakamura just straight up like coming back to the franchise with new ideas and he's not thinking of like any of that stuff? Well, uh, the thing I have with the art style, it reminds me of, like a disco, like the lights and like the vibrancy, the purple, the... Uh, the other one was very more like, uh, like you. So we talked about in the Sega Talk podcast about how they were influenced by South American culture. Mm-hmm. This one does not give up that vibe at all. And kind of, if you said it was based on disco, I would believe you. Um, so I think they're just. I, I don't know if they're trying to get away with the idea of like using the way you use Mexican culture, like sombreros, is not part of South American culture. Maybe they're trying to like not get people on the internet stirred up because like Mario having a uh, sombrero was apparently a bad thing. People were going crazy online. He had nipples and, too, right? Right. That was even worse. No, I'm joking. Don't even get me started <laughs> on the nipples. No, um, the sombrero. I actually like that Mario had a sombrero. I don't really care. Uh, they are part of Mexican culture. I don't know what you want me to say. It's just a game. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to, <laughs> I, really I mean, I'm not looking for like a, a getcha. No, but, but a gotcha. people got up. No, people got upset about it. I, I don't know if that has to do with it for this one. Um, but he really needs a sombrero. It's weird seeing him without it. It's like seeing Sonic without shoes. Or I am I crazy? I, uh, I definitely think they're 
these days Sega are a lot more cautious. Like, remember with the trans characters in Yakuza 3, they, rather oh, yeah. than doing anything else, they, they removed it completely. They want to just avoid controversy completely, which is admirable. But I don't think anyone was really complaining about Samba himself, uh, sorry, Samba, Amigo himself, because he was just Thank a... You. Yes. <laughs> it's, he's, he was a cute little monkey character. And I don't think anyone was really looking at it as a, like a sort of caricature of the the whole um, of Mexican style or anything from South Amer- uh, South America. I but I I do know Sega's probably a bit cautious, and they they did still give you the option. I, I'm sure it'll probably be included in the customization because right now Sega seems to love throwing as many customization options in all of their games from Persona to Yakuza to Sonic to Super Monkey Ball right it's something they've been focusing on um, what do you guys think about the like the new art style the colors does it feel like a, kind of like a cheap Nick, Nick, uh, Nickelodeon game or like a tie-in game I don't know it, to me it gives me that vibe like it's like let's dance or something you mean like with the graffiti and like yes, the... Yes, like the flame pants. Yeah, it, it definitely stripped Samba de Amigo a little bit of its um, its individuality and charm just because, like you said, like it, it feels like it's reacting to Splatoon, Let's Dance, um, you know, all of those more contemporary games where it's just like graffiti, neon colors... Um, and, you know, I, I was mentioning the customization, like, you could play this whole game and Amigo will always be in a banana costume. Like, there's right. there's no real control from the game itself over the look and feel of the character. And if you've played um, the, the Wii version and, of course, the Dreamcast and arcade version, depending on the song, it will sometimes change, like, the look of the characters... And so I'm wondering if in this case now that he is customizable, that they're going to kind of do away with a lot of that song-by-song uh, song, by song um, individual sort of look. Maybe they'll change. Maybe they won't. Like, there are different backgrounds and settings. Um, so just like, as as a longtime fan of Samba de Amigo, I've played stages so many times that every time they look the same, um, they're always like, oh, if you're doing... Uh, you know, like, ole, 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 you know, that feeling hot, right. hot, hot. They're going to put it in the same setting with the same background dancers. I'm wondering if this is going to look a little different each time. Like, maybe it'll be randomized settings, randomized costumes. Um, interestingly, uh, one character I have not seen. Every character is back from his little b- background roster, except for, and I'm blanking on the name, but it is a... Um, uh, I thought it was a woman, but it's a flamboyant uh, cheetah boy or something like that, or tiger boy. Uh, oh, it's yes, on the cover. I'm trying to remember, that but he's not—he's not in this one. I haven't seen him, and I'm wondering if this is another reaction where maybe they did do away with the hat and they did away with the uh, flamboyant man, man tiger, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, <laughs> Lion, I gotta look now because I'm I claim to be a somebody to go super fan is that what it is i think it is a cheetah it's like a, i thought it was a girl all the whole time so no used to me that uh, rio not. um oh they so it's a male animal of indeterminate species who wears cheetah pattern clothing oh so but there is bingo and bongo they are the two large mechanical bears who have tiny bears inside of them 
Linda, who is the nice. beautiful butterfly girl, Amiga, Amigo, and then um, who are the two the two cheetah guys? They is it um, man? Oh oh, um, Chumba and Wumba. Chumba Wumba. <laughs> Chumba and Wumba. Isn't so Chumba and Wumba are there, but yeah, uh, Rio is missing. So and maybe there was I, a I was little. I was gonna say that the game uses Joy-Con uh, ah. motion controls. Yeah. Right? Uh, can you hear me? I don't know if it was choppy. No, no, no. Dr. Scottnick weighs in. We have breaking news. Can confirm the Cheetah Man is in the game. The Cheetah Man is in the game. Oh. Saw an oh, image of God. him on an Aussie retail site. So. They're saving them. They're saving them crisis for like averted. the finale. Like the, the game's coming out in summer, so they're going to save them for the last trailer, obviously. <laughs> um, I was going to say... Um, what do you guys think that it's going to use the Joy-Con gesture sensors? And have you guys used it for aiming before? And what do you guys think about it? Uh, do you own a, a Switch, Aki? Yes, yes, I've got a Switch as well. Okay, um, so yeah. what's your experience with motion games? Have you played them at all? Uh, well, Breath of the Wild had really good aiming uh, with the Joy-Con, with the gyros. But I'm still more of a traditional game. When it comes to games like Zelda or... Uh, Sonic or Yakuza or if you, even if you've got some really great motion control schemes I'd still prefer pushing my buttons but with the Switch itself it's still it's a whole of a lot better than the Wii the Wii had a lot of issues when it came to motion controls with the Switch is a lot sharper I found even with um, stuff like Mario Tennis the Mario Party games even Mario and Sonic they're much more enjoyable than I found on the motion controls on the Wii itself. Well, that's why they call them Joy-Cons, right? Because they bring joy. <laughs> um, Except they have the drift. Well, they right, do. the drift. Well, it's fun to drift. Tokyo drift, drifting. Um, but yeah, the, the tech in these is obviously far superior to the Wiimote. Um, a big thing, though, with the Someday May Go Wii, and we talked about this on Sega Talk, George, is that when you have the right. Wiimote, it's not about the height. It's about the tilt. So this is up, this is sideways, and then this is down. But it's so unnatural to like shake, 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 and you have to go out to the side, shake, 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 and then you have to go down and shake, shake, shake. And as a as a, someone who played this a ton on Dreamcast, this is how I do it. They're always facing upwards, and it's me moving up, down, and to the bottom. And so with these, though, these Correct me if I'm wrong. These can track height, correct? Yeah. Okay. So these are able to tell where they are in relation to the screen like this. So if that's the case, then this game, I don't think we have much to worry about. Um, and if Maybe. we watch that trailer, and you guys can keep talking. I'm going to bring the trailer up. Just They have actually a person playing the game. I, I will say that uh, they need to release uh, Morocco. Is, uh, they need to release the maracas officially on the Switch. Like, uh, you know how cool that would be? Even if it's just like a batch of a thousand unlimited run games. Oh, you know they will. I think one of the good things awesome. that when Sega have an excuse to make a collector's edition, they will take that excuse. Oh, well, yeah, I they hope most. So. And I hope I'm they watching the well. footage. It's most definitely height based, it's not angle based. There's even new poses, like sweeping. Swiping, so it. I remember with the um, with the Dreamcast original, it would do this. 
But now it seems like you can do a lot more stuff with this. So it's going to be a lot more dynamic. I think it's going to be a lot more accurate. And you, there was that interview we actually um, reported on a couple, like 2018, I think. Do you remember that, George, when the Switch came out and uh, Nakamura was like, this is it at last. Like, I, I, the Switch has all the tech we need. We need to bring Samba de Amigo back. And so, I mean, this... It only took five years. It only took, yeah, it took a while. <laughs> but, like, and I think his reasoning, too, was that with the Wii, when you buy a Wii, you only get one Wiimote. And so he felt like it was asking a lot of a two-player game to have four Wiimotes. Um, right. Which, at the time, I think those things were, like, what, 40 50 bucks? Like, they were expensive. Yeah. Um, and with these, Joy-Cons are expensive, too, but you get two out of the box, and you get two with every console. So... I feel right. like if you own a Switch, you most likely have another set of Joy-Cons, and if you don't, you have a friend that has them. So you're going to invite a friend over, and you're going to have enough to play a two-player game. And there's going to be online, which I think is really exciting. We've never, I don't think, had that before. So For, like, scores or to play music no, online together? I think you can play right. online. I, I'm fairly certain there was that footage of, like, dozens of Amigos. Um, Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, you what, do you, what do you think about the music? What do you think the music's going to be like? That's the big question. They said it was there's going to be EDM. Um, there's going to be, I'm assuming, like traditional Samba de Amigo tracks. Uh, my big hope is that they stick with the um, classic Sega music. I really want to hear Magical Sound Shower, like... You know, like arcade nineteen eighties music. Like I hope they don't feel like that's too old to yeah. include. I mean, it was in nineteen ninety nine even, but um, at the very least, I'd like to see maybe like some of the meme music, like the uh, from um, Yakuza. What what is the name of that? Sing it, George. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you can imagine like you know, like right. I can imagine it. Yeah, it would that be would work. fun. I don't know, but I'm just I'm actually like super excited for the game, especially now that I know it's not like some like no offense British developer handling oh, it. Oof, oof. <laughs> put use in the title. You're like, what is this? I can't read this. I'm just saying, and it's a proven fact that British people do not know how to make video games, right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> they, they know how to make PC simulator games. That's about it. It's, British people like to steal Japanese IPs and make sequels, though. That's a proven fact, right? To be honest, I mean, it's just <laughs> radio. I, I don't know why they... It felt so weird looking at that's the radio made by someone who hasn't really experienced Shibuya. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. They're like, yeah, that's, I mean, I could go on a whole rant about that, but like, it's such a Japanese game. Like, imagine, imagine if some fans were like, we want to make the next Yakuza and we're going to make the best Yakuza game ever. And it's, and it's like, oh, have you been to Japan? They're like, no, no, no. It's all based on what we learned from the Yakuza games. That would actually be kind of cool. I'd like to see that, like a super tone-deaf Yakuza fan game, but... I, I, yeah. I would love to see Steven Spielberg remake, like, a, a Kara Kurosawa film. Like, <laughs> that'd be great. Seven Samurai 
Steven Spielberg brings <coughs> the classic home. But at, I mean, but at least with Samba de Amigo, it's not a super Japanese game, but it is most yeah. definitely a game from a creative who's still at Sega. And so it would have really bothered me to see him like as only an advisory role in Japan while someone in America or Europe was like making the game. It reminds me of like when the original Sonic and Sega All-Star Racing, they were being developed. While I had every respect for Sumo Digital, it's like Sega were known for their racing games. So you would think you'd get AM2 or one of Sega's arcade developers to actually make that crossover game because they've got the pedigree for it. True. Yeah, I mean, they they did have the experience of porting AM2 games and um, essentially remaking them. But I I did feel that the original All-Stars Racing, as much as I love it, was a little janky compared to what we expected from Sega. Like, the the company that made OutRun 2, um, and then you have Sumo making All-Stars Racing, the original one, and you could totally see where... The AM2 be you know how much AM2 was actually in that Outrun 2 port that they worked on. You know what I mean? Like Sumo left to their own devices were not all the way there. I think Transformed was when they really showed their stuff and proved themselves, and that's why it was kind of unfortunate that they kind of did not return until Team Sonic Racing, which felt like such a step down, and also made me realize that I think a lot of the staff who worked on Transform probably is not there anymore. Which is something we also experienced with Sonic, uh, the main series, where when uh, Forces came out, we were like, oh, I guess all the people we liked from Colors and Generations just aren't there anymore, you know? Yeah, right. Um, But I I think with this game, I'm I'm not cautiously optimistic anymore. I'm just, uh, you know, excited to learn more. Um, It's interesting they haven't really had music trailers yet. I mean, we're... In February, so what, March, April, May? We have four more months, but there's a lot that they still need to show off. And I'm hoping that E3 is probably going to have playable demos. I don't know if I'm going to be at E3 because it seems like no one's going. Um, right. But they if sent you a badge, though, I saw. I did. I got a badge, but I, I have nothing else. <laughs> Why didn't you like, give me a badge? I'm the one that lives in California, and I have, no, I have zero badge. You have one badge. I have are you going to be there badge. in June, though, or, or whenever it is? Well, I, I, oh, well, they invented planes for a reason. <laughs> I'm joking. Explain but, yourself, yeah, Aki. I, I said, well, isn't George looking for a place to live? Maybe he should just go to the E3 show, uh, show floor and just make a tent. Stay there? there? Yeah. <laughs> Outside like the rest of the people. <laughs> well, In I'm thinking street. if they do the Samba de Amigo, like, um, uh, you know, whole designed area, maybe you could find, like, I don't know, like a little hut, a little like play, a little monkey little hut. hut. Yeah, to get a little siesta. In. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a villager, right? Amigo, he lived in the mountains, right. so maybe he has like a little villager hut you can go visit. Um, looks like we have a little bit more time here, so we're just going to touch on uh, two more stories here before we close things out because I know uh, Aki has to get to bed. He's sleepy. <laughs> so be maybe oh, there. we could. Why don't we have him sleep while we talk about the news and whisper? (laughs) Um, So this bit of news is cool. So there is a rare English version of Sega Sonic Cosmo Fighter. Uh, The ROM was released publicly online. And at the time of writing, it was not playable on MAME, but now it is. So do, do, I mean, I don't think 
any of us have played this game, but I know, Aki, you've been to Japan, correct? Right, yeah. Have you ever seen the uh, patrol car or Cosmo Fighter in person? No, no, I, I went to the, uh, there was this old arcade place, sadly closed down now, but they had a lot of the classic stuff. Did not have any of the uh, Sega Sonic uh, Cosmo Fighter? Um, but it is something that I knew about from, like, well, if we're looking back 15 years, I think Sonic Cult, I'm not even sure if they're still around, but they had lots of stuff about all these niche Sonic games. So I'm, I'm excited to try it out just to see, like, oh, well, this is something I heard about 15 years ago. Right. Yeah, these... It these... look very dynamic, the gameplay. Well, no, these games are really just glorified, like, riding games for children. They just sit there, and it kind of plays itself, and there's a little bit of interaction. But, I mean, this was basically the early days of Sonic. The character wasn't really that well-established, and Sega seemed pretty happy to have other teams within Sega working on him. Like, they did not seem very precious. And yeah. I'm going to see if the audio works. It might be choppy. If it's choppy, then I won't play it. But um, this is... Th- the big reason for this ROM being such a big deal for fans is that it has very rare, rarely heard English audio. Um, and so this is some of the earliest voice acting for Sonic the Hedgehog and Dr. Eggman. So let's see if we can hear it, if it, if it doesn't come out choppy. This is. If you want to rescue your friend, you'll have to doubt me first. Come on, you guys, get going. It's just. It sounds exactly like Sonic. You're awful. It's all over, Sonic. You're gonna pay for this. See you again. So that's Eggman, then. Speed up. Hi, my name is Sonic. Dr. Robotnik is trying to capture our friends. I think the guy. Yeah, the guy that did the voice acting for Sonic is like, just saw the name Sonic and they had no picture, and he's like. He's a heroic character, and then you played him that way. <laughs> it sounds like a AI robot voice. So what do you think about that? Uh, get him for the Sonic movie. He sounds like... Um... Some people have said he sounds like Powdered Toast Man from Ren and Stimpy. He also kind of sounds like, um, I think there's a, uh, a superhero in SpongeBob. Like, he just sounds like the stereotypical, like, Superman wannabe sort of voice. And it's so strange because the Robotnik voice sounds like Sonic when you initially listen to it. You're like, oh, that's that's a pretty good Sonic. But no, it's not. Um, yeah. So that that's out there. You can play it. You can check it out on MAME. I've never actually played this thing. I've never seen it in person. I've watched video clips of it. But it's it's kind of in the same vein as the popcorn maker game. It's yeah. just it's not a it is a game, but it's not. It's more of an arcade ride experience. Um I feel audio. like I need to get the voice clips, put them in an AI program and recreate the voice so I could type out a script and then make a fan mod so you could play as that Sonic and that Eggman in Frontiers. I think that would be awesome. Those voices in it would be amazing. That would be good. All right, Dr. Robotnik, this is the end of the line for you. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I'd look forward to that. So when's that dropping? 
uh, when I get enough money to buy the 11 AI license. <laughs> okay. So soon, hopefully. I'm excited. Uh, next bit of news is one that I sure will... Uh, it will surely upset some uh, fans. So Sega's iconic Akihabara Arcade is being taken over by a rival. So if you've uh, been not following the news, Sega closed and basically their arcades were rebranded to Gigo. Um, Gigo was the minority shareholder in Sega arcades and then they became majority and then they bought it out outright but licensed the Sega name and then dropped the Sega name and became Gigo, um, which does have now, some history. Aki, do you know anything about Gigo? Gigo? Not too, not not too much, unfortunately. I did remember reading up on it, but they mainly, I, I think their business started off from um, the UFO catches. If uh, if I'm not okay, mistaken. I think they might have done the first remote controlled UFO catches, like people could play on their mobiles and they oh. go in Japan. Okay. You're controlling it like that. I That's think, interesting. Don't don't quote me on it. If I'm lying, it's fake news. I never said anything. You don't have <laughs> right, of course. Anything, it's going to get deleted. But I think that's how it happened. In terms of it changing to Bando Namco, I, I'm a bit sad. I did go to the um, when I was in Japan last time in 2017. I managed to go to Akihabara. There was still a decent scene. With the virtual fighter scene was still quite lively there. People were playing. You know, constantly until like eleven o'clock before the shop closed. Uh, virtual fire, so it's going to be a bit sad if I do go back to Japan and find a Bando Namco. But at the same time, it's not like the arcade scene isn't isn't as good as it used to be in Japan either. Yeah. So, the unfortunate t- uh, passing of time. Yeah, and that's right. I, I don't think I mentioned it, but people can see here that yeah, it was. It was a Gigo, which I believe means get up and go. That's what they've they said Gigo means. Um, or there's some goofy name behind it, but they're basically rebranding it now as a Bandai Namco arcade. Gigo and Sega are no longer involved, and so they basically are moving out, and a new company's moving in. The design of it's quite ugly. I'll be honest; I've never been a fan of the Bandai Namco Namco branding. It looks like a chat Me app. Either. It looks, yeah, you know, I hate it. Yeah, yeah. And, and when logo. you look at they need the, to rebrand. It's ugly, and when you look at the building, it's covered in these like boxes that are from the logo, but it just looks like chat windows, or you know, like it just it doesn't scream gaming to me, and it looks so stark white. Like, what if mud gets on that or bird shit? Like, you're gonna see it, <laughs> you know. Very modernized like design yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like, it so looks, I don't know. It's I mean it's unfortunate. I I. I had a pl- trip planned to go out to Japan before uh, the pandemic hit, so I've n- I had a chance to see Sega arcades, but because of the pandemic, I missed that chance, and now I'm not even going to be getting to see them in their original state, minus the Sega branding. Like something I heard too is that these Gigo arcades, even though they rebranded to Gigo, you would still see some Sega stuff around. Um, they still had Sega prizes and stuff because Gigo themselves don't own any ips so it's um i mean bandai namco now i guess you're gonna see like pac-man a lot of pac-man stuff 
Tekken, um, they have a new Tekken game coming out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I was gonna say, uh, the the name Gigo means get into the game oasis. That's what it is. Um, it's dumb. Get into the game oasis. I like to get into the fog. That's what right, I like to do. Too. I like to well, step outside and just let it envelop me and take me away. Um, yep. But yeah, so that's that's unfortunate. I think at this, as we record this, Sega only has Joypolis and Joypolis Sport, which is like a more active uh, Joypolis. But those aren't truly arcades. They're more like amusement centers. Have you been to either one of those? Obviously not the Sport one because that just opened. I went to the one in Joy City. Uh, Joy, I can't remember if it was called Joy City, but anyway, yeah, I did go to Joy Pop Jopolis. There was, uh, there are still arcades there, but it's more like um, there was one with initial D, but it was a fully made car that you're sitting in and looking mm-hmm. at the screen driving that. Uh, not really too much on our, too many arcade games. There was still stuff like, um, what was it House of the Dead, and there was that other Let's Go Jungle. Like probably about three or four, but it was still mainly an indoor amusement park rather right. than a uh, center. That, but I think slowly Sega has been selling off their shares of the business. I think it may be mainly owned by a Chinese company at this point, um, but they've still re- retained the Sega branding. I think they might now become the mi- minority shareholder of Joypolis. Oh well, well, I mean. Onwards and upwards, I guess. Sega's fully transitioning to being a publisher. I mean, they still develop arcade games, but they're definitely not uh, in the in the business of arcade real estate anymore, or even licensing their name out. Which actually surprises me. Like, I I fully expected Sega to still license their name out because, unlike Get Into the Game Oasis, like. There's something there that speaks to, I think, both Japanese and foreigners when they visit Japan to see those big Sega signs. And now best you're going to do is going to Joypolis or Joypopolis or whatever you call it. Um, I think the the biggest thing is that, you know, unfortunately, the arcade industry has been declining for a while. And not just Sega, but not even Namco Bandai or anyone knows how to reverse it. So it probably was better for Sega to just, you know, it's better if we just leave it. Focus on making our software, which nowadays is really selling quite a lot. I was quite surprised when how quickly Sonic Frontiers is selling because I think uh, what, it's probably at three million now, and that's probably the fastest the Sonic game sold since Sonic Two. Yeah, yeah, that that game is doing insanely well, and I mean with Sonic in general, like the Netflix series, we've got the new movie coming out, we've got Sonic Origins Plus apparently happening. So um, I guess looking ahead to the future before we close things out, uh, just briefly talk about C-Smash VRS, the weirdest name ever. Um, for The weirdest game to bring back ever. Yeah, right. So, I mean, f- I-, I bitched a little bit about it on Twitter, but essentially, um, and I don't hate on this game at all, but I think there's a bit of history, revisionist history going on here. Because when it's talked about in the press releases and by other sites, they say the classic, the iconic Cosmic Smash. I'm like, no, this game did not exist as that at all. Like, this was this... I remember in Dreamcast Magazine... Hidden Gem. Yeah, well, not even Hidden Gem. It's just like, it's just a game that existed. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. I remember when, if any gaming magazines covered it, they were like, oh yeah, there's this weird, like, 
3D Pong game that's in arcades and it's coming to Dreamcast in a clear DVD case. Like, that was about all we knew about it. And then when people who played it said, oh, yeah, it's like Res Pong, but it, there's not much to the game. But right. apparent, apparently someone liked it enough over there in Europe, again, you know, stealing Japanese jobs. It's right. actually be specific in the UK. It is what? an English developer on it. I'm, I'm pretty 99% sure there's an English developer working on it. So not even just Europe, specifically the UK. Yes, yes. I'm sorry, Europe. I, I you know, it's just we we don't think about other countries over here in America. We just we only That's think true. about ourselves. So yeah, but yeah, it's it's um it looks cool though. Like they're the graphic designer who's working on the game was sharing some of his work online and it looked really great. Like this game I mean, I, I know I'm I'm goofing on uh British developers um working on Japanese titles, but this is the best one I've seen because it really does feel like it comes from that same sort of visual world of Cosmic Smash. Now, as for the title Sea Smash, I think that sounds terrible. And from what I've heard, they don't have the um, license. Like someone someone took the copyright, so now Cosmic Smash is now called Sea Smash. So to me, it seems a little odd to bring back a old IP, call it iconic, call it a classic, but not call it by its original name. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I don't know how the PlayStation VR two is going to do. I've I've seen some uh, news people talking about it, and they're not super thrilled about it. It's kind of expensive. Um, it's not backwards so I, compatible. It's not backwards compatible. Is another thing. So this one's only for the PSVR two. Yeah. Which kind of hurts because I don't know if I like I don't even know if you could play the PSVR two on a PC. So like that's kind of lame too because like it would be great to be able to use the setup on a PC to play like yeah. Half Life Alex or something that's not on PS PSVR. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I'm a, I'm still not in on the on the PSVR two. I do like the way this game looks. I'm hoping it comes out on PC and maybe. I'll be able to play a non-VR version, maybe just motion controller or something. Yeah, this developer has worked on other platforms. They're not a Sony-exclusive developer, but maybe this is a timed exclusive. So we we could be seeing this on, like, MetaQuest or whatever. Um, but from what I've seen, there have been some people in the community who went out there to play it. Uh, Dreamcast Junkyard were there. Um, oh, nice. And, you know, and I, I feel like it's unfortunate that we didn't get on the press list earlier, I know some people were saying it's because I wanted the press kit, but to be honest, that too. well, that too, but I mean, to be a hundred percent honest, it's because we have Aki right here. Who's our, yeah. our man in the UK who we'd love to send to these things. And we didn't hear anything about it. And it, it just, it kind of frustrates me when it's like, I mean, maybe we're not a Kotaku. We're not some big name gaming news site, but clearly they were smart enough to ask Dreamcast Junkyard to go out there. So where was our pass? I don't know. Maybe it got lost in the mail. I thought you ran uh, DC Junkyard or did some of the email stuff for them. We'll talk about that another time, George. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little sore sore subject for me. Oh, Um, I'm sorry. Boop. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. Oops. I'm sorry, big oops. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, to be quite honest, there was like talk of me taking over the site, and then I and then no one actually was like 
working with me. I would I would uh. message the writers and they just were kind of confused. They're like, who is this guy? And I'm like, I'm the one who took over the site. And they're like, no, 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 you're not. Um, so no one wanted to work with me. And uh, and then it just never happened. I don't know. It was very weird. Very strange. You never used WhatsApp. That's probably what it is. I don't know. Maybe it's all these anti-British things I say on, on online. I think so. Probably coming back to bite me, but I don't give a shit. Um, But in any case, um, I'm hoping to hear more about this because the only way I'm going to play this is if I'm invited to a press event or at like a convention, because I'm I don't think I'm ever going to own this tech, but I'd really like to experience it and write about it. Um, So yeah, it's, it's an interesting direction for Sega. I mean, here we are in 2023 and we have, uh, Cosmic Smash and Samba de Amigo. Like, it's feeling like 2000 again, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah because right. One thing I'm loving is it's taken a while, but we knew back in, I think he said in 2017 or 18, Haruki Satomi was like, we want to kind of like bring Sega's classic roots back, up the quality of our games, give bigger budgets. And we're slowly starting to see that. We, we've, I remember the leak reports. I'm allowed to talk about Bloomberg uh, article Ooh. they said. Yeah, uh, go ahead. Crazy and it was a crazy taxi and Jet Set Radio, wasn't it? There was something yeah. that Sega was potentially working on something on them. So it's nice because we have that period from uh, was it 2012 when they had that restructure that lasted for like three years and then all we got was like Sonic Aliens football <laughs> manager. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The odd one out of the whole game that kept used, kept bringing back. So now that we're coming back to it, like it feels like, oh, Sega's slowly becoming that diverse, uh, incredibly unique publisher compared to everyone else. Like it's not all triple A games, uh, right? Soft or electronic arts. And to like expand on what you were talking about with that Bloomberg article, like yeah, it they they fully are working on something Crazy Taxi and something Jet Set Radio. I think they're exploring how to um, bring that into like the Fortnite sort of setting where it would be like free to play online. I don't know how I feel about that. I think that could work with Crazy Taxi, but I don't like the idea of Jet Set Radio being a free to play game that once the servers go down, I won't be able to experience it again. Like that's already Mm -hmm. a franchise that's slowly been being killed by backwards compatibility and delistings like jet set radio future will only play on the 360 and then it, it kind of stops there uh, jet jet set radio hd was just recently delisted so for me to for them to be like oh we're making a new jet set radio it's going to be free to play and in five years we'll close the servers down and you'll never see it again like that would be sad um yeah yeah there's been so many games. I think it was like last week, Namco announced like a bunch of games that they're going to close the server to. And even Sega themselves, it's mainly their mobile games, but they're saying we're going to be shutting down service on like, a, it was that, I think the Fantasy Star mobile game, which is, I think might be ending this year. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember what game it was, but it was some a few of their mobile games. So there's, there's always that worry that, yeah, it's great that you're trying to reimagine Jet Set Radio, but at the same time, in 10 years' time, I'd like to show anyone, look, I love this game when it came out. You, you, we should play it again. Right. And, and just... I was going to say, Crazy Taxi, they actually were, have been very free in exploring things with that IP. Um, yeah. We had Crazy Taxi City Rush, 
which was like the the endless runner version. And then we also had Crazy Taxi Gazillionaire, which was later renamed Crazy Taxi Tycoon. And right. that one was, it, it was the weirdest game. It like played itself. Do you remember that, George? You just tap things yeah. and it makes money. And it had Hulk Hogan in it. Remember it had yeah. the Hulk Hogan commercial? The weirdest that? thing. And so I feel like if we do see something happen from those um, projects, it's going to be Crazy Taxi first because they don't seem to be as precious with it. Uh, right. But having said that, there has been art of the Jet Set Radio one leaked. Um, and I think, I well, I don't think. I know I shared like a blurry picture of it on the Segabits Discord the other day or earlier today. And then I deleted it just because I like to be sneaky. Um, right. But they essentially were testing art styles. So at that point, they were like, do you like cell shaded? Do you like this more painterly, realistic look? But it was the same. It was the same picture, but done about four or five times in slightly different styles. It was interesting, um, which makes me think they're kind of maybe exploring, sort of like with Fortnite, like the look and feel of it. Like, mm. like you know, people always say that a game will look like Fortnite. Like I've been playing uh, Ilphonic's Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed and the art style is very Fortnite-y. So I think at least in terms of development right now, the Jet Set Radio game, if it is still happening, uh, at least last we heard a year ago, it was in the the art phase, like the the concept art phase. So... Good point that you bring out because I think one of the things with Crazy Taxi and with Jet Set Radio, um, I'm not too familiar how many of the like core people of Crazy Taxi are still at Sega or at a high position at Sega. Yeah. But with the Jet Set Radio people, most of them are like high ranking positions within the Yakuza team, so they probably are going to be like, well, we have to be a bit more extra careful. Like, I think the scenario writer is the head of the Yakuza, Masayoshi Kikuchi, is it his name? Um, or um, Masayoshi Yokohama. Is it Matsuyoshi Mitsu? Masayoshi Yokohama or Yama, something like that. Yeah. Uh, completely messed up with his name. So I think there's probably also this extra care with Jet Set Radio. I know they, they themselves want to bring it back. Uh, I just hope when they bring it back, it's not a. Uh, it's too much of a uh, off the rails interpretation of Jet Set Radio but at least they're keeping it in-house in Sega of Japan because it's like there's the that indie game that's coming out which I think it's great it looks great um Cosmic what's that the Jet Cosmic Set... Tax the taxi one or the other one the the other one the Jet Set Radio inspired one it's by the uh, guys who did Lethal League Oh, I think I, I, I did see it, but I forgot. These games, for some of these new games that are copying Sega games, are so, like, generic sometimes. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I think the biggest problem with stuff like that is, like, going back to before, they've never really, like, 100% experienced Shibuya, so it, it right. feels like a weird sort of clone. But when it comes to, if it's Sega Japan, and specifically the people who made the original suggested uh, radio... It's gonna feel like okay, this is the actual sequel that I've been waiting like twenty odd years. Yeah, and I mean the the interesting thing is that Ryuta Uida, maybe I'm butchering his name, he left Sega and then returned, and yeah. it's interesting that he returned, but we haven't really heard what he's working on. So it could very well be 
uh, this Jet Set Radio project that may or may not come to fruition. But since uh, everyone's been so good, I do have the blurred picture on my phone, so I'll hold that up. People can see that here. Let's see. That's not Jet Set Radio. Is that really it? That's I the blurred picture. All, um, that's so blurry. Come on. I can't. Is, well, gotta... I had to blur it because Everyone, there are like human. There's numbers running across yeah. it that identify whose it is. Oh. But um, there's combo. You just there's right. beat and there's gum. Why combo though? Because combo is uh, he's George. Come on. A, why are you asking me? He's why American. Combo? He's American only, right? He was. Um, in Jack Grind Radio, he was like one of the main characters. They elevated him in the new content. Remember that combo and uh, combo cube and coin. They were right. the Americans, and right. they came. And then Co- Coin was murdered. He died. <laughs> right. He he I was. I can't wait a, for the new story. He was a white guy in a sleeveless shirt, and and in the end, they revealed that Coin died. He was murdered. Do you think- do you think for the next Jet Set Radio, they should just be like middle-aged people and they're like 20 years ago, we used to be these uh, skate riders and now you're like a family, uh, a skating family simulator where you have to raise a family on skates? Would that be I'm, good? Would that I'm be glad good? you're not making the next Jet Set Radio game. That's all. <laughs> I'm I just, I'm, okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Well, I mean, what would you want? Family. Another story where it doesn't even connect? Sounds Mac? like a, Come on, it sounds guys. like that Disney wanna... movie that no one went to go see. What is it? Strange Worlds? A skating well, family. Yeah, I know. No one has. George. What? I never heard of it. Yeah, no one has. That's why no one's seen it. But um, yeah, that that should pretty much wrap things up here on uh, our 13th anniversary episode. I think we actually covered some pretty cool stuff. We talked about... Recent releases, upcoming games. Barry had some blurry pictures to share that were um, family Ooh. friendly, and um, right. and we got Aki to stay up late. This is like our late, late, late night show for him. Yeah, it's uh, um, three right now. Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, let yeah, him go already. You're young. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Are you? I don't know. Um, Wait, you know, I actually. I actually had a revelation today. Um, one of our early, one of our first writers uh, recently turned. Um, well, he 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 talked about this publicly, so I'm not outing him. He turned 51. Why are you outing? Oh, who? And I did the math. That makes him 38 at the time he started on Sega Bits, and I'm currently 38. Wow. So I don't know what that means, but it just kind of made me go, "Whoa." What is starting? You got you, you still What's got that? time left. What's he doing now in his life? That's where you're gonna be when you're fifty one. <laughs> He's doing the same oh. thing. He's doing the same thing. Doing the oh, same okay, thing cool. we're doing. So you'll be there eating we'll be chicken sandwiches about. and playing video games, right, George? Right. So we'll be eating chicken sandwiches and talking about uh Yakuza twenty six or what, maybe eighteen. Gaiden, Gaiden, whatever. They'll change Gaiden, the name of the franchise the again. Re- the man that re-remembered his name and came back. <laughs> oh boy! Well, hey guys, thanks so much for jumping on. This was uh, this was a lot of fun um, bringing the the classic team back. I think uh, you know once once uh, personal lives settle a bit, I'm going to be moving. George is moving. We all have things going on. Right. Um, we should regroup, do this again, maybe in. Uh, 
in June. I know there's a big uh, Sonic anniversary happening. There's going to be some new games. And who knows, maybe there'll be another Yakuza game by that point, or Like a Dragon game. Um, anything you want to plug or talk about uh, briefly before we close things up? Aki? Um, only thing I want to plug is I'm working on an indie game called Brock Crocodile. Make sure you check it out. Wish list it on Steam. Yay! Nice. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Brock. Brock Talk. That's coming. That's our new podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> How about you, George? Where can people find your musings? Uh, there's a site called SegaBits.com. Maybe I'll, I'll post on there, hopefully more, uh, after the move, when I'm settled in. Um, that's about it. I don't really talk right now on social media. Settling down. When I have more time, I'll talk more about whatever I do in the future. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right, guys. Well, you have a good night. Thank you to everyone for joining us. On the next episode, if everything works out right, I want to do... uh, I'm going to be bringing back our friend Apoc, a.k.a. Steve. Uh, He promised to sit down with me, and we're going to take a look at some Pico games, particularly the painting function. Uh, It's going to be a very weird and wacky episode. And I'm looking forward to that and, you know, see what else is to come. But um, And then, George, we have Sega Talk releasing next uh, week. we got to record it, right? I think so, right? Yes. And it's, uh, it's going to be um, egg, yeah. an egg episode. Elemental. In the history. <laughs> elemental gimmick gear. Yeah, for the Dreamcast. The history of eggs. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap things up. And say goodbye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for watching. Uh, Happy 13th bye. anniversary. See you in when we're 26. 26? Oh. Hey, baby. I want to show you something. I want to show you what you mean to me. Something that